This is Shaco Art Speak. Hey, welcome to Shaco Art Speak. Yeah, we're, welcome everybody. Yeah, we're uh, we're dipping back or dipping away from soft skills. Because we like to put more than one thing on the table. Always. Yeah. Beautiful. Face. That was Cody Spice. Uh, always nice. You just get always nice. You heard him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We just we just had an extensive conversation about his love for khakis, his deep affection for pleated <laughs> all, pants all and khakis. The multiple shades yeah. available <laughs> for the connoisseur. Yeah. 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 His favorite color is light brown tan is what he shared earlier. Um, Contentious topic. You yeah. Know there's a word for that called it's khaki. It's khaki. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 Hey, then, I don't. I don't know. It's not my. Do, does anybody know how me and Gareth met? Don't I'll tell you. Sense. I'll tell you. <laughs> I want to know this. So we were. At, it must I, have to do with pickles. I was traveling, right? And I, you know, I like to travel by hitting up truck stops, the big ones, you know, where it's like a super truck stop. Mm -hmm. I roll in, and uh, I'm trying to understand these snacks. Pickle in a bag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, pickle in a bag. And I said, you know, I jokingly yeah. said, "Is there a doctor in the house?" Cause I couldn't understand what? the back of the label on the calories and something else with like the, whatever it was. And Gareth said, he is I. Are you joking? Doc, Dr. Snack smell. And he came over and he just gave a thorough breakdown of every snack in the place. But you have to understand when he walked through the truck stop, the crowd just parted. And the trucks parted. Yeah. yeah, yeah the trucks parted. And he came in and he was wearing a trucker cap. Mm -hmm. And so then he told me, I teach at VCU. I said, so do I. I said, what the heck? And then he said, I'm working on a book where I travel to every truck stop in America and to do a taxonomy of what's sold, <laughs> how it's packaged. 27% through. Yep. 27. It, it, he said it was a compliment to Sufjan Stevens' 50, 50 States um, album yeah, series. And, but unlike Sufjan, I was going to do more than two states. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I just love snacks. I think that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's beautiful so anyhow, idea. that's how me, that's the story of how Gareth and I met. Mm hmm um accurate it's yeah. very accurate it's believable a, it is a, indeed a story it's, it's a great mythos that we we have so so you might be wondering <laughs> what we're doing today and you've also noticed you've probably heard a fourth voice just seamlessly yes like fitting right in and that's because we have a um a shaco art space alum yeah, exhibition one of my favorite shows we've ever done we've ever did um, we ever had, yeah, ever done did. I ever done did <laughs> from one of the, from, I personally think, and I will put my cards down on the table. One of the best painters that I know, like oh, truly one of the best what? painters for sure in the whole Richmond mid Atlantic, just the whole area. Like I really believe that I've said it, I've said it over <laughs> and over again. Um, as far as, um, like just technical chops, both what you possess, but you, what you'll get when you need it. Um, humor and seriousness and creativity mm -hmm. and uh fearlessness and just goes for it with qual like the quality of the work and so um uh want to welcome casey criddle here to the podcast it's long overdue casey welcome yeah. thanks yeah. for being here thank you no thank you for having you guys it's yeah. good to see your faces it's been yeah. a while it's you been know? a long while the pandemic hit us yeah I haven't been able to socialize for so long and mm, yeah. <laughs> just happy to do stuff now yeah it's like we got to do some stuff before the next pandemic yeah. comes. And then oh, yeah. I'm, I didn't yeah. say that as a kid. <laughs> Anyways, 15 years, of, 15 years of flatten the curve. Y'all don't worry about it. So thanks um, for having me for sure. Sorry. Thanks I'm for having in a me, frisky guys. mood today. <laughs> welcome, welcome Casey. So, Hey, so this really, you know, the way we, way we, we, uh, you know, partly why we wanted to have you on is because, um, we didn't have a podcast when, when you showed with us. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I was actually looking through the archives. I was like, surely, surely we did. We did hey. not. 
we it started. It was a long started, time ago. It was a long time ago. That's why I said Casey's an OG. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, um, so there is going back and just kind of uh, talking with you as, a, as, a, as the artist that you are, which I think your life is really interesting and I think has important relevance for a lot of people um, in terms of like ways of navigating the world and, and actually succeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also we, we kind of have you here now and I think it works out best because um, you very much fit into our kind of entrepreneurship series that we've sort mm-hmm. of turned on its head yeah. a little bit. And um, you, you know, you've got some, iron, what do you call it, irons in the fire that mm-hmm. are very entrepreneurial and very needed mm-hmm. and we're very excited about. And so like we're eager to get to that and talk about that. Um, but we'd love to open up with like the way we do a normal artist talk first, which is um, kind of trying to get a sense of where, where you started. Like, how did you get it? How, how did you get uh, mm-hmm. to, to becoming the painter that you are? Like, when did that start? And you could go as early as you want to back. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, I've always lived in Virginia. I grew up in Hampton Roads uh, with, you know, where this is probably going to go. And at some point was, you know, a lot of blue collar folks that's very militarized in that area. You know, Norfolk is the the uh, largest uh, naval base that we have. So it's just it dominates the culture there. It dominates the, the mm. community and just everybody is centered around that. Most of my family works in the shipyard or something related to the military, if not in the military. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it, it was very um, suburban kind of typical stuff. Um, but, uh, I, I was always doing art. Everybody in my family's had some, most everybody had some kind of like trade skill, artistic talent. Um, if, if they weren't working in it, they would come home like on a, you know, nine to five, they would come home and like immerse themselves in it. Otherwise, um, I wouldn't, you know, some, some of my family members aren't even sharing what they're making oh, per wow. se, all, all, yeah. all the time. Um, and it just seemed very natural to me. I, I was always like making art really, really young. I, I came to it pretty easily mm-hmm. and it was, it was very, uh, it was very much a therapeutic thing for me as a kid. I was always kind of, uh, hyperactive and a little weird and awkward and, uh, I didn't have a lot of friends and that was always the case for me, so, like throughout of school. Um, and I, gr- I, I grew into my awkwardness though. And I, I think people like the older you get, the more they like, like you for that. Um, but it was, it was harder at first. I just really fell into making art mm-hmm. and, and anything because that's what, uh, I don't know. That's what you do when you're alone, I guess. <laughs> so it's, it was somewhat intuitive in, in the sense that you you're doing it and then you're immersed in a, a space where it's sort of a given that, that making things is not, not like, you know, there wasn't any pushback as far as that not being a worthy thing to be doing with your time. It just felt like an automatic thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody else I was, you know, everybody else I was growing up with was doing it like in my family. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I just was like, what else do you do with your time? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what else. I wasn't like super social. So I just, you know, I, I was always in my room with my door closed, drawing or out in the woods, like playing with the boys, probably like getting mm-hmm. real dirty or something like that. Um, but at a certain point, like arts really like started to stick out and be like the only thing that I was really like holding on to. Didn't do sports very well. Wasn't a, the greatest team player or didn't even just did not want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was not my thing. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it just kind of panned out to be my thing. And, and, you know, when I applied to VCU, I had never been to Richmond before. I grew up pretty sheltered in a way, like my parents were not conservative at all. They were almost the drastically the opposite. They, they let me do whatever I wanted to do. Um, but we didn't like, um, go very many places. We didn't mm-hmm. go to museums. We didn't go out to eat. We didn't go to cities. If we did anything for fun, we went camping or skiing, like water skiing or snow skiing, something like that, that outdoorsy type of thing. And so I grew up very like, um, just not really book smart oriented. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to use those words because, mm-hmm. <laughs> cause I am smart, but like it just wasn't like the focus of what was like good about life for us growing up. Yeah. 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 Was education or anything like sure. that. Um, and my sister was like a huge sports star and everything. So we were just very like active family. Mm-hmm. But I went, when I applied to VCU, I had never even been to Richmond before. It was like the one place I applied to. I was like, if, it, if anything's going to work, this is the only thing that's going to work. Yeah. And, um, so and, what made you apply? Like, how do you get to the point where you're like, Oh, I've moved from making things. Cause that's partly how I yeah. know, enjoy spending my time. However, one states that to like, I want to be, you know, whether you say it this way or not, like more formalized mm-hmm. in my intentions to like study this mm-hmm. and get a degree, you know, like all of a sudden there's a possibly like a different train of thought. Like I want to have some kind of life after college doing this. Like, so when did that, like, how did that start to take root for you? Cause you're, you're talking mm-hmm. about camping and not going to museums and it's a, yeah, you're right. There's a kind of a disconnect between that part and the next part. And it's, it's, it's a little hard to talk about. Like, um, I would, I, I did not apply to VCU thinking I would get a job. Mm-hmm. I didn't apply thinking that I would be an artist. I didn't, I applied to VCU because I wanted to get out of Hampton Roads. Wow. Um, it was a tough place for me to grow up, for me personally, yeah. not for everyone, to to grow up. And um, I felt like there was a lot of drugs in the area, a lot of people not aspiring to do um, n- not even big things, but just like good things or respectable things. Mm. Um, uh, there was a lot of experiences that I didn't want to be triggered by, by living in that area or people. Uh, um I had a kind of a rough um, high school mm-hmm. years and, and honestly flowed into college until I kind of, you know, it's been a slow process of working out of like the things that I experienced when I was a teenager. I mm-hmm. was I was a rough and tumble kid. My parents were very like hands off. And so I got into a lot of trouble, mm-hmm. got into a ton of trouble. Mm-hmm. And um, I also at the same time that all of that was happening, like right as I was going into high school, <laughs> I started giving migraines. And so I have chronic migraines to this day, but uh, for a good amount of time, I was just like doing drugs, like hanging out with bad people, uh, selling drugs and and just like getting in trouble and having migraines and feeling sick and not doing well. And I mean, I have to preface that with like, I didn't have migraines because I was doing drugs yeah, when I yeah, was young. Yeah. I did have, I was having migraines before I ever really fell into that lifestyle as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, when I got, when I was applying to VCU, it was, I want to get out of here. Yeah. I, I didn't even, and, and art was the only thing I was good at. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah it was yeah, the yeah. only thing I could do. Yeah. 
I graduated high school with a modified diploma and I was in work study. So that meant I was not required to <clears throat> learn another language. I wasn't required to finish an extra class that everybody else is required to do in, <clears throat> in um, math, uh, science, and history. Mm. So I knocked you know, those three classes off, a couple language classes off. And I, you know, I did apply for AP art and I got a good grade and whatever, <clears throat> but I just wanted to get out of high school. I just yeah. wanted to get out of Hampton Roads. I didn't feel like it was a good place for me to grow mm -hmm. um, or mature. Yeah. It's interesting. So you have, you have like a, I mean, I relate to some of that. Like I didn't, I didn't go to college when I went to school to do art. Like I did not know anything. I knew illustration I knew like Salvador Dali was like, yeah. I didn't really know that much. Yeah. I thought I knew stuff, but I really didn't. And I was just compensating. And then, I mean, it was more like a leap of faith. Like I just was yeah, like blindly 100%. like, I'm just going to go to college. It was like, what do I have to lose? Yeah. I didn't know who was Nothing. there. Yeah. Like I had, I had no idea what was around the corner for yep. me in that mm -hmm. my life, I would find my life there in a lot of ways. Like my wife, all my mentors, yeah. like who I am now has so much to do with that. But what's startling and crazy about it is like, I didn't go because that I didn't even know to know that that stuff was there. I didn't I just, know it was possible. Yeah. To even doing what I'm doing right now, yeah. did not know that was possible. Yeah. I just wanted to get as far away from home as possible. So I was, yep. I was like, cause I'm going to die if I stay here. Like mm -hmm. I, I will not make it for one reason or another. It's not mm -hmm. going to, not going to happen if I stay home. Yeah. So I, I relate to that. I, I genuinely would tell people like if I stayed home, I kind of, I'm, I'm almost certain I would be, um, pregnant or a junkie or in jail or dead. Yeah. I mean, truly, because yeah, yeah. that's the majority of the people that, you know, stayed in that area in my friend group mm -hmm. where they, where they uh, found themselves. And a lot of people at this point now, it's been like 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of people have even found themselves since finding those outcomes that I listed. So I don't want to say that that's like a terrible life path to have gone down because a lot of times you can work out of any one of those things unless, unless you're dead. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, but that's the scary thing about following those paths. Cause that's where it can lead. Sometimes there's no reversing that. Um, yeah. And the, the, the collateral damage along the way, sometimes it's irreversible. Yeah. So even if you find your way out of it, you don't leave it unscathed. Yeah. Yeah. What's so, the Jim Morrison? Nobody gets out of here alive. Yeah. yeah. That's always uh, in the back of my head for, for sure. life in general. Like yeah. nobody gets out of here alive. We all die. Uh -huh. Like you, you're going to go through it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So I, you know, I think in the midst of those, of that lifestyle that I had when I was really young, I knew I didn't want this lifestyle. I didn't want to feel like this. I didn't want, I it didn't, I didn't see anybody with a success, successful lifestyle that was uh, anything similar to what we were doing. And, and I, I knew I needed to get out and I knew I wanted different, um, but I didn't have a lot of confidence at all. Mm -hmm. None really growing up. It, that wasn't like a thing we talked about. We talked more about how people were too vain rather than how people were, um, or rather than how to be confident. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I went to VCU and I got in, which I have, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how I got in VCU. It might've been because I wrote a cool paper about being, pretending to be a NASCAR driver for my essay. Cause I can, I can write some weird, some weird stuff if you want me to, um, <clears throat> I'll write a good, you know, and I have to appreciate all my crazy, you know, stories because they give me good juice. But, um, yeah, 
you know, I got into VCU and that first year of VCU, I did amazing. I felt like I did amazing. I think I got straight A's, you know, it's just in my art classes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> was not doing that well and everything else. But, um, you know, I did really well and I got nominated to go to Qatar that mm, my yeah, first yeah. semester. Wow. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was. The, oh, yeah. You must have been doing really well. Yeah, well, yeah I, that's cool. Um, Matt King, our, yep. the, the my professor, Matt King, non- nominated me. He's a great guy. What year was this? Um, <clears throat> 07? T- 2010. 10, yeah. 10. Crazy. Yeah. 9 to 10 was my uh, first year. And um, uh, Matt King nominated me, and I was just so surprised. I mean, I was an extremely overzealous student. I took everything seriously, like... Uh, no lie. My parents sat me down before I went to VCU and was like, I don't, we don't think you should do this. This is not like, you're going to, you're going to be in debt forever. (laughs) This was their message. Sure. And I think they also just underestimated me and they didn't think that I was going to take it seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but they, you know, didn't want me to go to VCU because of the money a lot. Um, yeah, you know, they didn't help. they, They didn't necessarily help to pay for that debt or anything which is fine. Like this was my choice. And, um, but, but when I got there and I was doing everything, I was just like, wow, this is exactly who I am. This is Mm -hmm. everything for me. Like, um, you know, going to Qatar was just like, wow, I am actually like really good. And, you know, I was really overzealous student, like I said, (laughs) because I felt like, you know, I'm paying for this. I gotta really like, Mm -hmm. I gotta take this seriously. I probably took it a little too seriously here and there. Um, but yeah, uh, went to Qatar, also won that through an essay, wrote about running into a peacock and um, <laughs> I, 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 any questions? you yeah. got nominated and then they, and then you had to write an essay for like the second jury process. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and I, and I got through that and. Um, I was in the room when you got nominated. Oh, you, you were? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. We just, we didn't know each other. So, nope. Then. But I, but I remember. I just yeah, so happened yeah. to not have you. Yeah. Um, but it was great. It was, it was life changing for me. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, my whole like childhood dream of being like a traveler and and being a career woman and whatever else, like, oh wow. Like this is, this is happening. I'm going going to to Qatar for free. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for free. You're like, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Yeah. They gave us so much money. Um, really in the end it was turned out like the Amir, The uh, the Amir paid for everything. I was like, oh, okay, of course. Like, that's how yeah. that's how we came through. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. VCU yeah. didn't pay for it. Yeah, VCU yeah. <laughs> yeah. Qatar did. Yes. We, our yeah. sister campus. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Keep it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, that's wild, though. So I mean, you like it's like you hit the ground running. It's like the environment was fitted for you. I you know, I I didn't I didn't I was. One of the, my kind of like, um, sheltered thoughts was like, oh, I'm going to go to art school and there's going to be a whole bunch of crazy hippies on drugs and everyone's going to be wild and we're just going to party and blah, 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 blah. And cause that's what I was doing, <laughs> but no, that was not the case. It was a lot of kids who had parents with a good amount of money who had never been out on their own before or even tried drugs and, um, it was like, oh, this is different. Like, this is not what, this is not like some Hollywood version of art school or even art school confidential yeah. mm-hmm. type movie, which yep. is a funny one. Classic. But yeah. 
you know, I, I was really shocked at, 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 um, the type of people who were actually there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I came from a different background for sure. Yep. And there, there was definitely other people just like me who, who didn't have a ton of things handed to them throughout their teenage years and childhood and stuff like that. And were probably paying for college on their own too. And like, um, but yeah, I just think that I also have, I'm a pretty gregarious person. And mm-hmm. I'm really out there and I take risks and. Um, yeah, I think that's a big one. You're willing, I think you're, I've just observed you as someone that is willing to take a risk and like own it really, like own it strongly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Which I think I see less and less of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, by a long shot. I just get so bored with the world sometimes. Yeah. I just get so antsy. I just, and sometimes I won't even just shake it up and say the wrong thing, but I just get so bored. Yeah. <laughs> I just want, I like want action. Yeah. 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 And that makes sense. Risks are not hard for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, jumping ahead, but just in your work, listening to your story a little bit, it's like there's all these camping and outdoor mm-hmm. activity themes that get imbued back into the visual work. <clears throat> um, and then that make, I mean, to me it like, yeah, using your body, existing in space and time with your body active. Um, I think we're so sedentary that it's sort of like we're so sedentary that because you want to move around, that means you're like ADD. But it's like, but maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe you're not as much as the world is too you know, sedentary. You yeah, know, there's maybe it's a little more of both. I don't know. It's just an interesting thought to consider. For sure, I'm ADHD. <sighs> And I, I mean, I was tried, they tried to put me on meds when I was a kid. My, fortunately, I, my mom was like, no, I don't believe in that. I don't agree with my putting mom, same thing. She's my like, kids I refuse. on meds. That's a little silly. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot. Um, I, I truly think that the world is just not fit for somebody who has ADHD. But I think at the same time, I grew up learning how to accommodate for, for that. I've yeah. never been on ADHD meds. I can say that they, they do work if I've tried them, but, um, I like doing a lot of different things at the same time. And I think that I've grown to figure out ways to live around it and Mm -hmm. to, to use it as a tool. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't remember whoever said this. I mean, it's, it's a well-known fact. You you, you, learning how to use your weaknesses as your strengths Mm -hmm. and the thing that, um, you know, separates you from everybody else. Mm -hmm. Even though a lot of people have ADHD, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. but just learning how to you know use your so-called weaknesses as an advantage is like a huge, huge thing mm-hmm. for for me for sure. Yeah, for sure. So when you so you um, then you get into the painting. You went. To, you got your degree in painting and printmaking. Yeah. Who did you work with when you were? Who, who, who like how did you develop at that point? Because I I'm I'm saying this because I think you have um like a an approach to painting that I think is pretty interesting. And so just interested in like what it was like to, to work at painting in those couple years before then you yeah. graduated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <clears throat> I was kind of talking about this the other day. I was talking about it because my partner's and um, he's building sets right now. So we're talking a lot about like uh, sets, like mm. theater sets and just like faux things and whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I, you know, like I said, I was very overzealous when I started school. I was taking things super seriously and I wanted to follow this very traditional path of learning how to paint <clears throat> in the beginning. I was learning how to oil paint and I was doing figure and um, I was, I was uh, teaching a, a student under um, Christine Gray. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, I cannot 
forget the woman's name who paints the silverware pieces, has the piece in the VMFA, um, older woman, blonde, um, kind of soft-spoken. And she was teaching me figure and in the very like, you know, old mastery type Rococo, way. Yeah. yeah. And I was loving it. It was like the first two and a half years of like my, my college career, I was really, uh, going this very traditional route. Um, but then I took a scene painting class with, with Adam Dorland, Dorland. Mm -hmm. um, he used to work at Quirk for a minute. Um, but anyways, he was teaching me scene painting and I fell in love with it. I was like, this is like everything opposite philosophy, like philosoph philosophically about painting between oils and like acrylics for scene painting. And, um, you know, you're doing everything as fast as you can. Yeah. You're doing everything like... Um, with acrylics, it, it dries quick. You want things to look good from far away rather than like, you know, wanting to come squint up at it close. Yep. Like it's like this completely opposite realm. And I just fell in love with this. Like it was way more fun mm -hmm. to me, honestly. And then I was also just coming on to like, um, concepts and issues and just like learning about concept, conceptual art and everything with my little sheltered mind. I'd never mm. really understood that idea. Um, and so I tried out for merit painting class yep. third year and I completely shifted my artwork, went from figures and traditional working to, um, I made four paintings. I think you have what they kind of uh, morphed into at this point. I made four paintings of just faux marble textures mm -hmm. and they were supposed to be these like com commentaries on class system mm -hmm. and, and, you know, uh, consumerism and all this stuff because of the misperception of like fancier beauty and, and mm -hmm. this like faux quick thing that I did and got in, got into merit class, whatever. And, and then I just like for the rest of college, I was riffing off of, that one scene painting class. Wow. I just, wow. And I mean, it was just a long <clears throat> tangent of That's incredible. ideas. It just, I completely shifted everything I was doing. I don't think I knew that about the scene class. Mm -hmm. like, I don't think I realized that that was like a, a Genesis place or. Yeah. It was a big shift in my art. That was like an elective class. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was not like a, uh, no, that's, yeah, that's the Went all the way across campus to like yeah. theater kids. With theater kids are crazy and weird. And I was these are honestly <laughs> these kids are honestly more up my alley right here. <laughs> Gosh, that's so interesting. Weird like theater kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the long trench coats. One question I've got like with <laughs> with all this like um, kind of like these shifts that are happening with your painting interests in school. Mm -hmm. How much before VCU had you been exposed to painting? Um, yeah, just kind of trying to see like, like what your yeah. like mindset or openness was kind of coming into VCU for that. Uh-huh. Um, I, I was never intimidated to make anything. Mm. It felt so natural because I've just been, I've been like, I would take art lessons with my grandmother when mm. I was like a little kid. Um, my grandmother, you know, she lived in England. She grew up in England. She's English until she was, um, in her mid twenties, she married, uh, an American, military man found herself in Hampton Roads, right? Yeah. Um, she, you know, didn't have much of an education, but she was like a beautiful, beautiful woman who ironically also was uh, an actress, you know, wanted to be an actress. So she's like the local theater. She's a very gorgeous woman. 
And she is one of the most dedicated painters I've ever known in my whole life. Like yeah. I've wow. never seen somebody so, so broke and like nothing, nothing to do, n nowhere to go and just come home every day and paint mm. <laughs> every single day. Wow. Knit, paint, sew, gold leaf, uh, <laughs> garden, everything, you know, just hands never still. Wow. Yeah. Never still. Um, and she used to even teach the little art classes mm. at Michael's, you know, because nice. they used to have like a little room yep. and they would have the mm -hmm. big windows and you could like look mm -hmm. in and all the people and you see the cute little Sunday painters and they're like learning one stroke painting. Yeah. You know, one stroke painting. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know the paint too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, oh no. Okay. One stroke paint brand is one thing. That's oh, okay. enamel paint. One stroke painting is this super crafty style of painting where you take like a square flat brush and you load up one corner of the brush with like a white and then the other corner of the brush with a red and you paint a rose by making a beautiful yes. little yeah. gradient one in one brush. Gosh. And so yeah, you paint yeah. a petal and it's like this beautiful gradient petal. Mm -hmm. Ken Gilbertson once did a call. He called over there and tried to get in touch with Michael and he wanted to do some one stroke stuff. And I, yeah. I have to tell Ken to talk with you because maybe you can get him, get him over there. I, I mean, yeah. she, she, you know, she was painting stuff like this all the time and like, I, it just seems so natural. So just like, yeah. I, I never questioned what I was doing. My <laughs> uncle was a photographer. My other, um, my uncle Brian Ray grew up, um, he is a local staple in the mural world in Virginia Beach. Wow. He was like an airbrush painter and would do the t-shirts and the then denim he, jackets. Yeah. Yeah. Old school. Right oh, there. anything deadhead was yeah. what he was painting. And you know, if you see any like old hippie building in Virginia beach. He might've had a hand in that, you know? That's awesome. So he, he was doing that kind of stuff and just like, uh, yeah, it's just, um, that's crazy. You're like deep in it. I don't think we've had yeah, anybody yeah, that's real. been so marinated. Like of anyone who's told their story, I think you're the only person we've had. That's like, so like, like there's a well-roundedness to what you're being exposed to. Yeah. Like you're totally marinated. So many different yeah. things. My dad doesn't even know he's an artist. He doesn't. He, he like makes sculptures out of driftwood. Um, he lately here, he's been a mechanic since I've known him. Um, lately here, he's been making these really weird um, sculptures out of metal, mm -hmm. um, just really terrible welding. And it's great. <laughs> I love it, you know. <laughs> He, no one sees this stuff. He just like, makes it and then like, he's no. just like looking at it. Like, yeah, yep, that's it yeah. right there. That's yeah. great. It's so interesting. Man. Yeah. No, like, no one sees it. He just like has, he, my dad has like rents one of those old garages out in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. And it has like one of the old gas pumps still at it and everything oh, with the overhang and whatever. And he's working on like eight different old vintage cars at the same time. Like you're, you're it's dumb, just, man. that's like my dream right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's hilarious, oh, but gosh. You know, if you ever if you've ever met my dad, you'd be like, oh, that's why she is like the way she <laughs> well, is. Well, what you're describing is like giving such a context. Like, oh, yeah. It's amazing. So, like, yeah, it's I really just, encouraging. I just grew up around like so much of that. Um, I, and I almost forgot where your question no, started. I think, but it, I think it's great because really it's a question of like, you know, sometimes we can talk to folks or we come <laughs> across folks who it's so hard for them to kind of be flexible or like explore other things, mm. even within a specific field. Yeah. So they might start off with like an idea of painting and then it's like very hard work 
to yeah. move anywhere left or right of that I idea. I have the opposite of that problem. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like because you were surrounded with so many people who were doing so, so many things, like it wasn't weird for you to be like, oh, I can actually do things and it doesn't endanger the other stuff. I, you know, I've never even thought of it that way because like once I got out of college, I, um, I was making that painting we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier. It was the first painting I started really finishing, um, but I also at the same time have such a problem just like trying to do too many things at one one time and not just like being a busybody. I mean, in my art practice, because there's a million other things sure. I'm doing, but um, I want to like screen print, be a sculptor, be a carpenter, learn how to weld, like mm -hmm. learn how to spray motorcycles. And I'm just like, uh, okay, like there's not that many hours in the day you need to chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Finding, yeah, like I definitely... It was hard. Yeah. <laughs> makes yeah. sense. I relate to I that. that. I'm 40. I'll be 47 this year. And uh, I'm the most settled I've been in the, in a way where I'm not like, I know my limitations enough mm -hmm. to be like, yeah, I'm never doing that. Yeah. But it's taken me a long time. No, I, yeah. I've gotten to that point now. Yeah. And just like, I don't screen print really anymore. I don't really, I mean, I have a million and one sculpture ideas, but I don't actually, cause I have so much of, I have, a kind of a issue even just getting my paintings done. Yeah. 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 Finishing. Um, my paintings take a long time and I don't, mm. and I always wish that I could paint faster. Yeah. 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 So. Well, also your work is meticulous. Like there's yeah. a, there's a point where, yeah, things have to be completed a certain way. Like the way that you juxtapose images. It, yeah. yeah. Textures, materials, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it's so process latent. Mm -hmm. Viscosities, thickness, like there's so many uh, factors that make them like, lush and satisfying to interact with mm. almost as objects. Thank you. You know, but you know, like so pictorially, but also just object wise, like, and, yeah. and that's like been a, it's like from everything that I've seen of you that I've seen, which isn't, isn't everything, but, um, that is like a consistent thing that makes, that's why I say like the work is very weighty. So even if it's like, even like, even if it's like a pop reference, it's painted in a weighted way mm. that allows the humor to be there, but then there's a weightiness behind the humor that is grounded in the manner with which you're painting. Yeah. So, so there's like these tensions that are <clears throat> beneath the surface that anchor the work in and cause you to have to like, I always joke about the, the Mountain Dew painting. I just, so, you know, it's like, there's, it's so funny, but then it's not too, you know, like, <laughs> It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's like, I'm gonna make this Mountain Dew painting. And then people walk up to it like, I love it, I love it. I'm like, it's about my dad. Yeah, there's there's a weight to the work. There's like darker undertones That's and very symbolic. Like you, you know, getting to meet you. I mean, we had great studio visits. Like I was just over where I first did studio visits with you um, to see Roberto Amora's oh, work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like having flashbacks. I was like, yeah. whoa, it's crazy. It's changed in there. It was like yes. a lot of stuff going on yeah. in a different Such a way. Great space. Yeah. Super vibrant place. And, um, but yeah, one thing that just was like, you had such a rich imagination in world of references uh -huh. and like a system for how things interact with each other, what they mean. Yeah. And, um, those were some really exciting conversations to have in, in reference to what I was actually seeing in your work, you know? Um, and then I was like freaked out cause you're like learning how to do things that I wish I knew how to do. It's like airbrush and like, mm -hmm. um, paint stuff, like stuff on motorcycles. Like, yeah. so how did yeah. that happen? Like, how did you get from school uh -huh. 
into yeah. into yeah. that work at the time. I mean, because there was a couple. Of, I met you as a couple of years after school, right? You were mm-hmm. you had reached out to Shaco, I yep. think. Yeah, yeah, which I loved. Yeah, um, I'm I was just like, you know, I whole, love go getters. Well, the whole like <laughs> I have nothing to lose thing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really great um, phrase to to remind yourself, yeah. and it doesn't have to be taken sorely. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like, oh, you have nothing to lose. Is in like if you didn't succeed you wouldn't be upset that maybe you lost this one amenity of life or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're you know whatever of course but you know it, I just think that you have to try things mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. um and or, or or else you'll just be bored but um so yeah you know I got out of college and I went through a, a hard breakup and I I feel like I really went through this transformation of like you know, my high school woes and, and everything that I was dealing with was like completely behind me. But I also felt like I had a ton of healing to do. And, and I'm always like very, uh, cog I'm trying to be cognizant of balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we can only try. Um, and, and I would say that I've been trying since then. So it's like, it's, it's a constant try to keep things balanced. Um, but I felt like I just needed some downtime. So for like two years, I didn't even make art. Wow. Um, I mean, I might've drawn things and whatever, yeah. like really informal attempts, but nothing finished, nothing I was proud of, nothing that great. Um, and then I, you know, after about two years, I think I finished that first painting and I was starting to make things and I got into this show, the Mocha show. Yep. Um, and I was like, okay, this is working. And I think, I think like not giving myself a ton of things to do and just like just socializing and like it was fun for a while, but it got really old for me fast Mm -hmm. being that I partied so hard when I was a teenager, I was over it. And and to a certain extent, she's like, how many nights can you just look at the same faces, drinking alcohol, saying the same dumb stuff? Yeah. (laughs) It's not fun to me. Yeah. I would go to bars with my mom sometimes way back in the day and everybody just began tanked and I would just sit there depressed looking at and people going like, like, is this going to be it for me? It, I, and I'm, mm. Look, I can party still to this day. I will. I'll get down. I know you will. But just not every day. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not even just mediocrely every day is what I want. That's still not even fun. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not my thing. Now, just for some context, when you graduated <clears throat> VCU, did you stay in Richmond? Did mm-hmm. you go back home at all? Yeah. No, I stayed. I stayed here. You know, I did not want to go home. I liked it here. I didn't even really make a ton of friends in college because I was working full time the whole time, of course. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But yep. um, but also felt like a lot of people moved back home mm-hmm. when they graduated. I did not. But uh, you know, I have a my home's not that far away. Yeah. It's only yeah. an hour. My, it's also key though. There's something about learning to work for yourself. Yeah. That we, I don't know, the students I've had that have jobs on average. Uh huh tend to you know it's there, there's two things either and i i, I worked through college i mean the time i was working mm-hmm. like 60 hours in my yeah. but i was sucking as a student mm-hmm. like, you know like so it wasn't like i was doing well but i've noticed you know when you have to work in school like you really really have to work mm-hmm. um then i've seen two things i've seen the people that work that just crush it as a student they just have an extra gear or it's a real big struggle mm-hmm. but What's interesting is the people that had to work through school tend to be the ones still making. You know, mm-hmm. there's something about mm-hmm. there's something about a high percentage. <laughs> yeah, if you can't make art and also have a nine to five, then I don't then you know. Can't, if you're yeah, so make, it's make like the thing that we're trying easily. to avoid 
is actually seems like it's a requisite for really having an honesty with regards to your ability and yeah. like what's possible yeah. when you've got to really deal with like paying the bills. I've been through the boot camp. Yeah. Since I was like 13. Yep. I've been taking care of myself. Yeah. I've been making dinners for myself since I was a teenager. Yep. Doing all of this stuff. When I went to college, it was so weird to me because it, uh, you know, my parents got divorced when I was like 12 or 13. And uh, at a certain extent, like I, you know, I was living, it felt like I was living in a house by myself. Mm. My senior year of, of high school, barely ever saw my mom. We would go two weeks not even seeing each other because we had such opposite schedules. We lived in the same house. My sister was gone. My dad was gone. But to go from like making yourself dinner on a regular basis as a 17 year old, then to go to college and live in a dorm and you don't even have a yeah. kitchen. It was like, mm. what is this? Yeah. <laughs> the dorms aren't that nice. <laughs> what is no. this? Yeah. To this day, you're like, oh, and, dorm life. Oh my gosh. And I had to eat like nasty fast foods with the meal plan and everything. I was like, this Schaefer. is not my jam. This yeah. is not my thing. Shout out to Schaefer. Get the Schaefer chili. Oh, whew. it's not on the menu. Sh you know, you know shakes. what Schaefer will give you. The Schaefer shakes. That's right. Hold <laughs> oh, out your hands. When I was, when I, when I ran this summer intensive, I was like the, one of the chief dudes for that. I used to always tell the students that to ask for the Schaefer chili, it's not on the menu. And then they would do that. And then people at Schaefer would be like, like, what is this? A year, year after year, just keep getting asked this mysterious chili that doesn't really exist. I said my, I back in the day, my freshman students, so they would just get bombarded with requests for the Schaefer chili. Oh, gosh. Um, and I'm like, it's not on the menu. You got it. It's a secret, secret item. You know, you got to ask for it. Um, and every now and then someone would get some kind of chili, like, oh, we got some chili, you know, but oh, those yeah, poor yeah, airmark yeah. people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just the joy of having my students come back to me and be like, they said there is no chili. And I'm like, what? Who said that? I'm <laughs> it's a long time ago. I don't do that. Now. I've grown up. <laughs> but it's great. We gotta make it fun. Sure. <laughs> um, so you're so that's I mean so that's interesting. You you have a you know there's a self reliance piece that's like really baked in early on. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean I was working all throughout college, but I also had two jobs when I was a senior in high school. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean I got out of school at twelve o'clock because I asked to um to go to work. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, uh my mom said if you want a car, you gotta be able to buy it and then you have to pay your own car insurance. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I didn't get a car when I was turned sixteen. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I worked jobs and jobs until I could buy a car. Granted, my my stepdad helped me with that when I when I got a little chunk and um but yeah I had to pay That's my still, bills yeah. I had bills at seventeen mm -hmm. yeah I mean, I was, yeah bills seventeen on never went away you know yeah, only just got more and more and more yep um I have to appreciate it somewhat because I don't know if I I watch a lot of people not be able to push themselves as hard as it might have might take yeah. to to uh, achieve things um. I'm good at time management and stuff like that because, because I have to be. And mm. I think also just the migraines, Yeah, you know, like I, when I was in college, I did a lot of research on how to like self-manage my migraines, which are, they, they truly rule my life. Like mm. I, Sorry my health that. and like everything I do, yeah. it's all centered around whether or not I'm healthy enough to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it just, <laughs> as, as I was getting older, like the more and more, I just wanted to feel good, yeah, <laughs> like not yeah. feel like crap. Yep. And, uh, it just forced me to 
be a, a straighter human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like editing straight out a and lot. narrow, straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> edit, editing out things that you know, like you start to live with the consequence. You're like the value yeah. of that is not worth the reward. Yeah. And you start to. And I, ha I, I had to learn these things earlier mm -hmm. than people had to learn them. Yeah. So yeah. when generally people sure. learned them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least people that were in my college peers yeah. generally had yeah. to learn them. And um, so I think it really like, you know, kicked me into shape and um, it was hard. It still is hard. I still, you know, I still feel like I'm behind sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I know I do have an advantage. That might be the underdog in you. You know what I mean? Like sometimes the yeah. behind is, a, is like, a, it's like baked in is like a, I'm always better as an underdog in my brain, whether that's true or not. But uh -huh. I'm I, coming the way I was raised, I'm much more comfortable as an underdog. Oh yeah. Well, I love the underdog. Yeah. I'm just, I just want to cradle the little baby. Yeah. It's like, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. it's like a personal conceptualization. Yeah. Cause it's kind of a was, way of framing up how you're interacting with. Yeah. The world. It's mostly mm -hmm. a reality, but then it, in the, but then it also becomes a, you latch onto it as a, a way of defining yourself and then thinking about how you manage pressure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it becomes more like, okay, well I don't, I don't like too much pressure. So mm -hmm. if I'm an underdog, it takes some pressure off because mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be here. But also, if I'm supposed to be here, that's pressure. I don't like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I also kind of really love the look on people's face when they underestimate me and then are proven wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. always really fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've definitely <laughs> known that experience as well. Um, so when you get to leaving school, you get into the uh -huh. Mocha Show, the yeah. uh, Virginia Museum of Contemporary Art, and then you're, is, when did you start doing the stuff that you were doing I met you? Uh, you know, something that, re something that Christine Gray taught me that really stuck with me was just like, she, she Super taught good me all, painter. yeah, she's a great painter. And she taught me actually a lot of things that, um, that I hold on to today, but I love this idea, this unfinished feeling that she was exhibiting this like contrast before between things that were like very refined and realistic and yep. things that were almost just messy and ugly yeah. Um, in the same painting. Um, and so that really stuck with me. And then she also just had this beautiful practice of um, building still lives like mm -hmm. for her paintings. Yep. Um, and she would even like, not even just found objects still life, like make a flower for the still life mm -hmm. to paint the painting from mm -hmm. <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Um, which I uh, I also really admired that practice of because when it comes down to it, like you're like, oh, I want to paint this or I want to paint that. And you look on the Internet and then you can't find the thing that you want or yeah. you can't find the angle of light that you want and yep. whatever else. So it's really fun just to build it right in front of your face. And that one I piece, agree. I think I probably did that <clears throat> with the most. Um, That's awesome. That's so cool. That's funny. Christine and I came to VCU the same same yeah. semester, same time. Uh huh. It's crazy to think about, like in hindsight now, sitting here talking with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they brought her in. Um, like I knew Christine's work because she. I think she, I can't. My, my I know she was at Texas, but then Santa Barbara maybe an MFA there. I, I think. Yeah, yeah. She grew up in Texas, I believe. Yeah, so she's from Texas, but she thinks she did it. I think it was Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. I can't remember, but um, I remember her work in a New American painter, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I I was trained in a place where for different ends, but we built everything like still life, but we yeah. made crazy. And so her work resonated with me because it was like, Oh, that's, that's like, the, that's the jam when it's, when it's built from the ground up and it's all your hand, all yeah. your, 
it just it, it registers in a different way than maybe a, a photo reference mm-hmm. that you've sourced. I'm not I'm not yeah. anti sourcing photo reference. I'm just saying. Yeah, because I I do both. Yeah, now. for I sure. I think it's like a, a vernacular. So like, but uh, yeah. So she's really good. She's brought in to bring. You know, it's interesting that time. I don't want to go too far into it, but you had uh, Richard Roth was still mm-hmm. the chair, and then yeah. the second year he it was 2000. Eight nine, he he stepped down, yes. and he was teaching, but they brought in Hillary uh, Wilder, who yeah. also in a different, totally different way, I think, is an excellent maker. And so you brought in these two people that were to cover a certain amount of terrain mm-hmm. for students, and it was like a, a brilliant move, like on paper, but it didn't it didn't quite gel for everyone, you know, the whole faculty, like, mm-hmm. and so it was an exciting time propositionally to be there, but then it didn't it didn't all pan out exactly. I'm trying to remember the name of your teacher, um, not Remy, um, that that does the figures. I don't know how I can I, I don't know how I'm forgetting her name now. Um, I, she I was mean, on my Ruth Bolden. Ruth, yeah. Uh-huh. So you Bolden. have, yeah, Bolden. Yeah. So then you had all these like people that like kind of covered a certain amount of terrain mm-hmm. within painting. Yeah. So it's very interesting. If you like on paper, you're like Hillary, mm-hmm. um, uh, Ruth, Ruth and, and then Christine. Uh, Christine. And then you got Richard. Then you have like yeah. Ron and Javier and like, you oh, have yeah. these different, <laughs> these different like terrains. And it just didn't, it's like, um, but it didn't like synergize, you know, like in the, in the department, there wasn't the synergy I think people wanted yeah. or hoped for, you know, too, it was just it was too much joined. difference. It was just, just like I think, I think, I think that's people the, not meeting at the yeah, edges. I think, yep. I think people are people. Personality man. Personality wise. wise mm. yep, personality wise. It's like everybody was super talented. It's just like. Different, very really different attitudes. Different backgrounds, I guess, or just even just. Some people just hold on to their, um, their way too tightly and they exalt it too highly. Mm-hmm. And so when it, so when you're, you know, I, I'm someone who always liked difference. That's why I came to VCU. I was like, I like that there's all this stuff going on here. Like it's not one thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's always been very resonant with me. And I think it just comes from kind of like, it's like a product of the age, I think in a lot of ways, it's like a lot of pop culture grew up in the seventies, you know, it's said it a million times, but parents doing low rider cars and then skateboard culture and breakdance culture and you're just seeing all of it and your parents are listening to Jimi Hendrix and rock music and Marvin Gaye and hip hop and yeah. it's like it's just a given and so I think more than I ever realized like you're just like that's what you want and VCU seemed to mm-hmm. seem to have that at that mm-hmm. time and there were some great grad students coming out of there and there's been some you know really great painters over the years um, but it didn't it didn't you know I, I think people are just like more complicated than mm-hmm. you want them to be it's you're not like, just oh, a recipe is, where you can throw in yeah. a few different good regional influences. And yeah, you're like, oh, we'll gonna... give it to these artists to be complicated yeah. and annoying. Yeah, of course, artists are complicated. Difficult. Yeah, <laughs> shocking. Well, it's like a soup. Like sometimes you can make a soup and you like throw in all the things individually. Great ingredients. Make great ingredients. And then something just doesn't come together. And it th- didn't feel like much camaraderie to yep, me. That's right. Mm. So then you come out of that. And what's interesting to me is like you're wired to probably not be as affected by that. It seems like. Everybody, everybody that came came out of my merit class was like, VCU, you're not doing good. Yeah. Uh, didn't really appreciate Casey that. Casey made Did- some really interesting hand gestures. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, we'll just keep it there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, yeah. Most of the people I know came out feeling that way. Yep. And and I can see what they're saying. Of course, they didn't they didn't teach us how to find a job. But like I said in the beginning, I was not looking to find a job. I mm-hmm. was just looking to get out of my area to get away from my, you know, my family influence and and everything that I felt was taking me down. Yeah. Um so when I got out of VCU, I was like 
I was definitely glad that school is over. Right. Because it's like, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. um, but I was, I've, I mean, I'm still to this day very appreciative of my experience mm -hmm. at VCU I, VCU. I would never change a thing even before Biden got this 20 grand taken out of my debt. Yeah. Which isn't even all of it. Even before that, mm -hmm. I was more than happy with my experience. I would never, ever take it back. Because VCU gave me a lot of confidence that I did not have at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In school. That's I mean, a, it, as a kid. It's um, an interesting thing to hear you talk about because you probably have a lot of your peers possibly coming to college with a lot of ideas about what college was going to do for them mm -hmm. and then maybe experiencing some disappointment when they mm -hmm. got through the four years and realized, oh, like I didn't get a guaranteed job the way yeah. I was told. Yeah. Whereas you are coming, were coming to college without really a lot of expectations at all about what it was going to do yep. for you. So anything that it did do for you was just kind of a bonus. Yeah. It was like For a sure. positive experience and then uh -huh. you could just take that and run with it uh -huh. and not feel like you were maybe um, yeah. gypped out of something that other people could if they had certain mm -hmm. big expectations. Yeah, I almost, I, I expected to drop out. I expected to not be able to afford it. I expected to not be able to make anything out of it. I expected the worst. Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not the greatest way to go about things. For sure. Like don't, Yeah, I wouldn't say that was necessarily an advantage um, but you know, you, you talk to psychologists these days and they'll be like, keep your expectations low. <laughs> and I guess, I guess there is something to that. I think we live in a time that's so saturated with novelty that it can be hard to be surprised by a good thing. Mm. And so it kind of sounds like you came to VCU and you had an, an ability, maybe based off your background or your exposure to things that you were able to experience the good things that were present and like actually be surprised and excited and kind of grab onto it and go with it. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes I feel like we're so, I can get so bombarded just by, you know, the amount of content and media and everything that it becomes hard to see those moments of surprise of mm -hmm. good things and be mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, that's really nice. I, I can rest on this. I can take this as a good thing for what it is and then not just get totally distracted by the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of being mad about be going to school like it's such a privileged thing in the first mm -hmm. place it's just like how can you be complaining right now like just stop like you didn't even pay to go to college like stop <laughs> yeah 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 that's yeah, cop yeah it's definitely complicated but so then you leave right you finish yeah and you quit for two years you said or you I mean, like yeah, you laid it down so, for you know, two years I, I i didn't make art and then i was also like thrust into the blue collar world okay that's right what i'm away. curious about yeah like the week after I graduated, uh, that Monday, I'm working full time. Wow! Because I was already working at this um, uh, wood shop, um, okay. cabinet shop, basically. That's and, right. And I was just doing, you know, <laughs> I was just doing that busy work there that they'll make you do when you're that new kid at the wood Sweep shop. The like floor. they're never gonna give you that good stuff. <laughs> they just make you sand. Mm. You know that first person like they doesn't know anything or whatever and honestly that guy thought he was probably doing me a favor or whatever because um I used to work at that I, I you know I got this internship with this hand screen printed wallpaper historic recreationed wallpaper wow. internship through this VCU and then I turned into an employee for them my senior year at VCU and and then they went under and so their neighbors were these woodworkers and honestly, like was one of the worst places that I've ever worked in my whole life. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't stay there long, didn't last 
you know, it didn't even last a year. Uh, but yeah, I've really set the tone for what I was going to be doing mm -hmm. after college work wise. Right. Um, working in carpentry is definitely a trip mm -hmm. as a woman. Um, you are sexually harassed constantly. Uh, mm -hmm. You are um, not taken seriously. Mm -hmm. You're underestimated all the time. Um, and even if you, like, I feel like I was more critically analyzed mm -hmm. than my, even just my work was more critically analyzed than others. Um, you know, just doubted all the time, given the, the, the crappy jobs, um, just various things like that. Just beat you down. Yeah. Beat you down kind of job. Yeah. You, um, you're working in a warehouse with no AC, mm -hmm. no heat. You're working out in the elements. You're sweating bullets. I'll never forget. I lost, I lost like a bunch of weight when mm -hmm. I first started working for them because just never had worked like that before. Yeah. All yeah, day in the heat. Yep. Lifting things that I can barely lift. I'll never forget. My, my boss said, I'm not going to accommodate for your size or gender. And you have to figure out how you can do every single thing that this man can do. Who's twice your size, i.e., you know, like, um, by yourself. That that's what he told me. Wow. And I did, um, I, like I built crate like carts so I could move like, cause I'm, I'm, I went from like the sanding position to like the painting position. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like sanding these large cabinets that you put in your kitchen. Sometimes they're like bigger than a refrigerator because mm -hmm. it goes around a refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you're sanding these down and then you're painting them. And they're like three times the size as I, as I am. And um, the weight is just astronomical. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but I figured it out. And it, it really, really toughened me up. Like uh, none, none, nothing else mm -hmm. uh, was that tough. I've had other tough jobs, tough in different ways. I think that one was the worst because it was just like mm -hmm. really um, socially complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I went from there to like another blue collar job to another, to another, to another. Um, so like after that I was framing and I worked in this like factory style framing shop and, uh, it was actually the easiest job that I had ever <laughs> had. And like I was, and I, I really fell into this position where people were like constantly praising me because mm -hmm. I am a really hard worker mm -hmm. and I work fast and I move fast and I, I have really great ways of becoming efficient and in my work. And I was just so highly praised at this place. I, um, I just started to become even more confident in my abilities. And, um, at a certain point they kind of, and, and this is like the small business story. This is mm -hmm. how it goes. Every small business, <laughs> you get to this point where they start to like really rely on you and love you and praise you and you're doing really good. And then they start to give you more responsibilities and then you'd be like, okay, give me more money. I, I want to be, I want to be paid more. I, I went from being a framer to going into their uh, screen printing department, which is literally the words in my degree, mm -hmm. painting and printmaking. I'm expecting a race. Yeah. And it didn't happen. I asked for it plenty of times, very professionally. Um, and it didn't happen. And I think that there's a, that I, I've watched a small, a lot of small business owners do this where they like fall in love with an employee 
mm-hmm. and they praise them and praise them and praise them and give them all of these um, special privileges and everything. But then they don't ever pay them enough. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then they get really confident and they leave. Yep. Because you told them how great they were and you didn't you give suck. them enough money. Nobody else is going to hire you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm the only one. But look, I've seen this happen several yeah, times before. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but it's also kind of like a growth thing, watching like yeah. a small business grow to need you more, but not to be, be able, able to, to carry pay the you more yeah, 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 yeah. is a thing. Yep. So, Or actually recognizing that you have other skills, but they are, they're yeah. that are, are going to, you know, uh, fill a gap, provide a service, but are not changing their over overall income. revenue. Yeah, mm-hmm. their income. So like there's no over like you're not making more money as a result of this maneuver. Mm-hmm. So in their minds, they're like, well, this is a lateral move. That's what they call it. Yeah, it's a lateral they move. Love that that, word. Yeah, 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 it's lateral. It, and it's like they're processing it strictly from econo- an economical standpoint. It's yeah, like it's lateral for you, it's, but yeah, for me, for you, it's I'm not I'm using though. 10% right. more of my skills. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then yeah. it's like, that's a heck of a conundrum. And yeah. I probably see, I mean, it's probably true that it you know, happens I mean, you're all the pro- time. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've worked for so many different <clears throat> small businesses. Yeah. It's kind of funny at this point because, you know, I went from, I got confident. I found this other job and I, you know, I saved a little bit of money and I took a risk and I uh, found this guy um, who was painting motorcycles. And I was like, I, you know, watched my dad, grew up watching my dad like paint uh, muscle cars and do all this cool stuff like that. And I was just, at the same time with my upbringing and all my lovely daddy issues, I like always have this like thing to prove. Like Mm -hmm. I'm super tough. Like I'm a chick, I'm small, but I can do everything you can do. And I'm just like, when I was younger, it was just, I always felt like I had to get these hard jobs, these difficult things so I could be worthy Mm -hmm. basically, because Mm -hmm. that's, the patriarchy or that's the bad upbringing or that's just like a path that a lot of women go through. Mm -hmm. And, um, I felt like I had so much to prove and, uh, you know, I, I took a lot of jobs that were just like hardcore. Mm -hmm. And at this point I'm just like, "Mm, I don't want to work that hard anymore. I've lost the need to like prove myself. Like I've gained enough of a reputation that people are like, Oh, we know, Casey is a hard worker. Like, yeah, it's, it doesn't pay the same. It doesn't give you the same um, cachet anymore because it's already established. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's just you being you and you're like, well, dang, I can't. Well, exactly that. There's but no I, upward know, mobility now. Like, I can't. I've also done a lot of healing. Yeah, that's good. Through time. That is good. <laughs> and that is good. I just don't feel like I need to do that stuff anymore, especially not if they're going to pay me good. So. I was doing the, you know, apprenticing at the motorcycle place and it was just like exhilarating. It was, it was crazy. And I was one of three people that worked in this shop and I was just learning really unique skills. And I had always wanted to like take a hold of the airbrush because, Mm. um, because I watched my dad play with it because I watched my uncle do the murals in, uh, uh, Virginia beach. And so it always had been in the back of my head. I had a couple of guns. They just were like old little guns and, um, airbrush guns just to yeah. you know, specify. Yeah. Airbrush guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, little airbrush guns and I had a bunch of them and I, you know, I just wanted to get into it and I felt I had noticed that I had this ability to take my nine to five, my blue collar BS mm-hmm. and turned it into something useful. Mm. I noticed that that was happening mm-hmm. like mm. with the framing or the screen printing or with the wallpaper 
um, or even with the carpentry because it refined my panel making abilities and everything, just being able to like be familiar with wood. Mm -hmm. Um, So I noticed that that was like a huge advantage. And so I was thinking in my head, I'm going to learn how to paint motorcycles and I'm going to make my paintings look like motorcycles, (laughs) which was like totally what I did. It was really fun. And I learned a lot, Uh, you know, (laughs) shout out to Andrew, Andrew Swenson. He's like, honestly, iconic in the little, uh, moto world. Like Mm -hmm. he's like a known painter. He doesn't do it anymore. He went through a life change and the, you know, we decided to end the business. So that was, you know, the end of that little period. And then I went right back into cabinetry and that was, interesting too. Mm -hmm. Um, same, you know, same kind of story, a little less aggressive on like the cons of working in that, uh, that blue collar Mm -hmm. wood shop, Mm -hmm. but still, still the same stories as a woman working in a very, very, very male dominated, um, company Mm -hmm. just, it, you know, and, and I didn't necessarily want to be there, but once again, I have to say like the silver lining was that they really, really refined my, mm-hmm. my finishing abilities, my carpentry abilities, everything like, yeah, this it's, that's the thing that's really interesting is like you're getting, so a certain amount of sk- like skills, you know, or skills are not general. They're like particular to tasks and to needs and like demands. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting like these different skill sets that are because there's real stakes in the game. It's not like Sunday painting at, at Michael's, you know, it's, um, which is fine. It's not a, it's just, it's, it's, there's a kind of intensity that necessitates the acquisition of the skill. And I really wrestle with that because I think sometimes, you know, with schooling and stuff like that, if, if you can't impose a certain amount of demands on yourself, you don't have the right orientation and intensity to acquire what you need to be a maker. Mm-hmm. And I always wrestle with the um, the fact that apprenticing uh, in the arts seems like it 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 has a lot of um, uh, enduring potential. Like I don't know, for every person who wants that, there's ten more that don't. And so the way you're describing these experiences, like coming back and doing cabinetry again and again, and like there's like things about that that transfer into other areas of of how you make or how you approach like any number of things. I mean, mm-hmm. it could be like how you approach gardening, but like there's carryover. Um, it, that I just don't think you get unless there is real stakes. Mm-hmm. Like you're really getting paid and there's this hard nosed person who's challenging your very sense of worth and value. Like, um, because they're, they don't know how to lead a different way and they're trying to pressure you to get the work done yeah. or not deal with you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like in it, not saying that's, um, not okaying that, but just saying like, those are really weighty things. It's not mm-hmm. like fake weighty, you know, like, oh, I couldn't get up this morning. Oh, yeah. No, you don't understand. It's, I just complex. Couldn't work. it's complex and it like matters and it relates yeah. to other people. And I, I, I don't know. I just wrestle with like how much I think that that actually works better. For lack of a better word, sometimes I just think that that actually is the, 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 um, the more optimal way to learn. Um, to make things dire. Educa- yeah. Like, well, not to make it dire, but that there is a, it's like you're trying to balance the way that skin in the game motivates and necessitates like mm-hmm. a reality to the doing. Yeah. You know, I think about like a, I've worked in smaller business environments, you know, businesses that 
in the scope of the business world would be considered small businesses. Yep. Where it's like I'm having direct conversations with the president and, uh, you know, yeah. CEO like yeah, every day. Totally. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a different weight than being in a classroom. With yeah. And it's like, yeah, like when you mess up, like yeah. your actions directly are impacting the yes. bottom yeah. line of this business. Yeah. And yeah. the people who run the business are going to treat you like that. Yeah, so <laughs> and when you're, there's really good and bad ways of the way they may treat you. And a lot so when of you're times, in a classroom and you're, you're trying to get people to respond and saying like, this is coming for you. Like this will be your life after you leave or you will be navigating. If you're, if you're successful, mm-hmm. you'll be navigating these kinds of situations mm-hmm. is a, <coughs> excuse me, a hypothetical. It doesn't carry a lot of weight for a lot of people unless they're internally motivated. Like, like kind of like you were yeah. where you have like a, a, a Jason experience that you're like, yeah, I know because I'm working a job right now mm-hmm. or I know because it's so otherwise you're like, well, I just couldn't get up this morning. And you're like, I understand. But like, yeah. You, you successively saying that as if that's the hardest thing going on in your life speaks of like gross privilege in yeah. our, in our, con- I, like, I've gone to work crying yeah. and continued mm. to work yeah. while I'm crying because I have to work. Yeah. yeah. Cause you gotta do it. There's I mean, no other option. Yeah. Yeah. When I, yeah. When I dropped out of school and started working full time at the business that I just mentioned, I mean, there, there were mornings that I woke up where I just woke up and didn't eat anything and felt like nauseous because of how stressed I was mm-hmm. about yep. the the prospect of going to work yeah, and not knowing anything about the business that I had just gotten hired in. And I was just like, I was just going to be a whole day of like trying to figure things out in a very stressful environment with a lot of very stressful people around. Um, but it was the job that I was doing. yeah, And so it was like, there's no option to not go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you just go and make the best of it. And you know, I made the best of it for five and a half years yeah. and yep. it got better in some ways. And yeah. Certain things uh, were baked into how the people ran the business that didn't get better, but um, I wouldn't be doing the things that I'm doing now exactly. if I hadn't gone through yeah. some of that difficulty. Of course, I wish I didn't have to go through difficult times to find myself here. Of course, I wish that. Yeah, you'd like it. You'd like to not have that. No. But it's hard to separate it though. Like I've gone through difficult times like all of us here have. And you're like, but I'm here. Yeah. And if you're halfway okay with being here, it's hard to separate out the hard times. I mean, if I went into the nitty gritty of exactly what brought me here, so many of those pivotal moments are bad days. Yeah. It's yeah. not that strange. Yeah. Mm. So, hey, so there's two things in that. that I, th- I One, I want to talk about what you're doing right now, but Mm -hmm. just a little bit, because I got to say, like, I was trying to like, when was the show you have it? 2017. When was that? I I think it was 18. Was it 18? I think so. I'm checking. I should know. Look at the poster, Gareth. (laughs) I've got all these uh, show posters around in the room. (laughs) I don't even know if there's one for me. Go through the whole stack of them. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to triple check when you. It was 17 or 18. Maybe it was 18. I believe that it was 18 because it was the year I usually associate it with the year that I met Ian, which was 18. Yeah, which is awesome because Ian's awesome. (laughs) Ian's the man. No, different Ian. Oh, different Ian. Ian Ian is the man. We all know each other. Seems like a good name for awesome guys. Yeah, that's a (laughs) a shout out to all the Ians in the world. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. I agree. Okay, so yeah, so it was June 1st, 2018, but we started talking. A decent amount before that. I, I mean, so. like we, yeah, yeah. events, stuff like that. Because I was like finishing work. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you, you were doing, you know, these, uh, um, these kind of like absurdist apocalyptic scenarios. Mm-hmm. And I was like, looking back on that, 
Yeah, like you were. I'm a prophet. Yeah, you had you had a hand <laughs> no, on the pulse. You had a hand on the pulse. So I mean, we're we're like in the age of. I mean, we are in it. It's in only the become age more real. Apocalyptic it's, scenarios. It was weird. Is the absurdest part was the part we were like, yeah, that's not the real part, but that's the part that's become the most real. Like what you painted as your most absurd proposition is like normative right now. That's crazy. It's. It's weird feeling. I think about it a lot. If we could go back and listen <laughs> to the conversations we had. Yeah. Without us knowing we're listening in on ourselves. Yeah. We would be like going like, oh my gosh. Like yeah. That is crazy. So I've been like making apocalyptic art or it's just like very loosely every painting is set mm. in this like post-human. Like, yeah post-world ending event. Yeah. N don't want to be specific about it. It's just like post, you know, yeah. like that's it. So, uh, and it's continued to like stay in that theme very loosely. Yeah. But it's just the way that the world has turned out since 2018. It's just really a little trippy for me yeah. when it comes to like the, the comparison with my artwork. Um, I almost want to be, Cause I kind of went, I was like, start out heavy apocalyptic and I kind of drifted into more personal. And now I'm like, now I need to be a little bit more heavy apocalyptic again. Yeah. yeah. Apocalyptic like, and the personal kind of, kind of just do oh, that. Oh yeah. yeah. No, they are always unison. But, um, when I was first starting out, it was like very more, um, evident and surreal looking yes. in yep. the images. Um, yep. but yeah, you know, I, uh, I kind of ended at that wood shop. And right when I finished working at that woodshop, I started working for this uh, in the wedding industry, actually. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Makes total and, sense. And I was told I was making things again, though. I was it, I was just it was a rental furniture business. So I was like gotcha. making signs and fixing furniture and I can do upholstery. So I was upholstering stuff. Um, another skill that my aunt had when I was a kid, never knew that I would like employ mm -hmm. the, the upholstery that I did as a 10 year old with my aunt. But anyways, um, I, so, you know, that I, I got that job March, 2020 mm. and I, mm. I went into <laughs> work for two weeks and then I didn't see those people for like a whole year. Yeah. And I just worked in my own studio at home with their projects and it was great and everything was wonderful. But then like the whole, the apocalypse, you know, the, the apocalypse, the pandemic was changed so much, yeah. you know, and just went through this process of, um, you know, I, I worked straight through the pandemic and then we started working in office too. And it just wasn't turning out to be, what I wanted, um, you know, the same kind of small business story, feeling highly valued and not being able to even thrive kind of yeah. feeling. Um, and so after the first year, I, I, uh, and I, after I was working from home and these people that, that own this business, they were, I mean, literally calling me their unicorn. And like, they didn't even, they don't know like the kink terminology of unicorn, but they're yeah. still calling me the unicorn. I just like let them go with it. Cause what she meant was that I was like a very rare employee that yeah. had a lot of um, different <laughs> skills a lot of value. that they needed. And yep. so they were like, just praising me and praising me and praising me. And I felt really good, you know, but it, I couldn't even, I needed a new car. I was yeah. driving my partner's car. I couldn't even buy myself a new car. Yeah. I couldn't even afford a payment for a new car. You had Ian riding the skateboard. 
he's got two. He, he's an awesome skateboarder. <laughs> he's a great skateboarder. I love I also, a good, re- good wrestler, too. Yes. Some of my favorite wrestling videos are Ian, like, diving. Like, yeah. didn't he, like, jump a skateboard into the... Yes. Into we, a ring. I, we did the yeah. Lost so Bowl, much. like yes. WWE wrestling so session, good. and my mm-hmm. partner is like actually a really good wrestler, and he he did some good moves. It's amazing. Um, I'm gonna see that video. Yeah, you'll yeah, love it. you got to. Uh, so, um, you know, I was just feeling like, man, I, I, this isn't for me. Like, I, I, I have at this point, it's been like almost ten years since I got out of college. I've built so many skills so many. And I don't even know if I would be able to say that confidently if it wasn't for all of my bosses telling me how good I am. So, um, I was just like, I, I gotta do something on my yeah. own. And I had other little birds in my ears telling me <clears throat> that I needed to go out on my own and do my own thing. We just shout out to Naomi McGavitt because she's always been this like person telling me like, you are highly talented, you're skilled, you need to do this. You need yeah. to just like, She's giving me all of these options and stuff. And so I started thinking about what I would build as a side business so that I could work for myself. Yeah. So that I could quit my job and be my own boss. And, and um, pay yourself what you're worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pay myself what I'm worth. I love the idea of you starting a business and then you're like exploiting yourself. And then you're like, I'm not going <laughs> to, you're the best employee I've got, but I'm not going to be able to. I can't really promote you. I can't promote you. There's only one person in this business. In my inner dialogue yeah. is so like contradictive. I'm going to have to make a lateral move. So I got you doing more, but I can't pay you anymore. <laughs> and then you're like, no. But, you know, it, and so it just, but it, it, it wasn't just feeling undervalued. It was also, it was also like, um, it was also the pandemic and yeah. everybody's worldwide feeling of life is slipping away. Yep. This is not important. A nine to five is taking your soul. Hmm. And it, it doesn't mean that a nine to five has to take your soul. But a lot of times for people who have the juice to do something else or the talent to do something else and they're just afraid to do it or whatever, um, you know, it's holding you back. It's It, it can be suffocating. Mm-hmm. I feel like life is so much more important than paying someone else's bills. Mm-hmm. And even if this fails or even if it's not something super successful for me, I'd rather be doing this and try it than just, you know, just surviving. Yeah. Just yeah, surviving. Yeah. Like, Absurd survival. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I make all these paintings about surviving and it's like, because I've been through some, some stuff and I want to thrive. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. have to figure out. And you got to, you got to find out. That. You got, I mean, you have enough behind you just listening to your story even, but just knowing you as well as I do, like you have enough behind you that it makes sense that you're like, I got to, it like, it makes logical sense. So what actually are you doing? So what is the, where are you at? Cause you're, you're doing it. That's probably uh-huh. why we're, I mean, I think one thing just to say before we get into this final bit is, um, to me, uh, this is a great, your story is a great picture of a very possible way to understand your circumstances into um, like up your personal circumstances and your story and how it leads you into a potential for um, entrepreneurial endeavors. In other words, like what situation, I guess to anybody listening, it's like a lot of times we think there's an ideal situation that we're trying to get to and we fail to see the reality's value uh, in the current situation you're in. So the reality of that situation has value or potential. And I think your story is just shows like it doesn't gloss over the difficulty and there's no, no denying that, but it's still interesting to see you say with so much passion, like, 
like what you're doing now and why and how you've like endured and acquired to put yourself in a position to be like, I'm going to leverage this now. Yeah. You know, like, and I think you've, it, you strike me as someone who's made the most out of all your situations. I do. I wasn't planning on being in this position. Yeah. Like I went with the flow basically. Yeah. You know, I yeah, had yeah. to have those nine to five jobs. Yeah. I didn't want them. I yeah. never wanted them. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I had some grandiose idea, of course, in sure. my head. I did not want to do those jobs, but uh, over time I realized how valuable it was. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, and I have to thank everybody telling me how, how good of an employee I was, but yeah. I mean, it, it encouragement other, doesn't matter. I mean, it came from other places too. Sure. Um, but you know, in college I learned how to make panels, right? A typical class. Everybody else did. I guess mm-hmm. I just hung on to it more or something. But when mm-hmm. I switched to acrylic acrylics, I also started to prefer to work on panel. Yep. Um, so I was always making panel from like senior college until forever. And I was making my own, of course. And um, it just started getting really good at it. Mm-hmm. And I slipped into those woodworking positions that I did not ever want, yeah. <laughs> but I gained skills from. And at a certain point I was just like making them really good and people started coming, commenting on them. And I had the show with you mm-hmm. and I had a couple of um, really strange shaped yeah. Panels. Those were awesome. People were very inquisitive about that. And really, I think the seed started there. Mm-hmm. The plan the seed was planted there. And uh so while I was working for the wedding place, I was just like, I'm going to um make panels for artists. And it's such a niche thing, but I that's not something I watched, watched, you know, working for other small businesses was like sometimes the more niche and specific the item is. Mm-hmm. the better yeah. because then you can just make this really like factory style production. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I went with, you know, panels. You narrow it's, down the variables. It's specific, but people buy them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do. They buy them. I'll, I'll do a canvas every once in a while, but it's not even where I want to go. Like I want to stay super specific. Yeah. I love it. I was also doing other projects for other people, just kind of like fabrication projects. Yeah. And I was doing that on top of my full-time job for about a year. I got to a point where my mental health was just like really suffering through working on this side business, painting my paintings, working full time, being in a relationship, going through the pandemic, blah, 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 all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like too much. I broke. I just broke. Um, And I, I, I quit my job and I didn't even really have a lot of support. I don't have really any money. (laughs) I don't even have a car. But it's working. Um, you know a car right now? I drive my partner's car. Gotcha. It's not a truck. Yeah. So whenever I want to go get lumber, yep. which is like basically all I do all for time. my business, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to borrow somebody else's car yeah. or rent one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I feel that. yeah but look, you yep. know, these are simple challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Wow. Um. So yeah, I, I get by and I started this business. I started... I wanted it to be really plain and yep. vague. I wanted it to start small. I didn't want it to be um, like the the title that is. I didn't want it to be um, too stylistic or mm-hmm. anything. Just yeah. like really basic. So it's direct craft, craft studio services. Yeah. What your craft you do in your studio, I can help you with. Yeah. And I've I love it's it. been working really great. Um, I work with Naomi, like I said before, from Thick Design, and I'm do things like helping her paint murals all the way up until you know doing my main thing, which is the the panels. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And we can't go into a lot of stuff, but it sounds like, you know, there's things I can't, we can't talk about now, but it definitely sounds like you got some cool things on the horizon. Yeah. And we'll talk about that when that point comes. For sure. I've made the largest stock of yeah. product I've ever made in my and whole life. And you, it's I mean, waiting I think to go. Maybe we, it, what can't translate in this conversation that I know is that uh, you make, I mean, everybody here knows this, you make with excellence. So like if you're building panels, uh, they're going to be made with excellence yes. um, without question. That's why when I saw that you were doing that, I was so excited. I was like, this is like needed. Yes. And um, and actually in the community, like the niche aspect is important because you, you need someone who actually, like what I love is that you're a real maker and you're a real artist. So you, you're not doing it from a uninformed perspective of a non-maker who can just yeah. make things out of wood. No, it's you're a huge actually, aspect. It matter, the, the, the secret sauce for me with you is that you're not a woodworker who's like, oh, I can make some rectangles and squares and put some, you're a painter. Yep. So yeah. that, that, that is like, to me, the secret sauce difference maker. I can't um, tell you how many <laughs> times I get people that come to me and they have less than a week before their show. Oh. Something goes wrong and they're, desperate and they're worried and they're freaking out and they call me up and I'm like, I got you. It's like a whole hole of a business yeah. that I'm filling. You're like the, the doctor. For, you're like the studio doctor. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I mean, I house calls, my friends yeah. will, my artist friends will just call me and ask for advice here and there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I love it though. It, it may, it's definitely a little flattering to, to feel like people like want my advice whenever, but I have to just like really own that, man. I've I've worked really hard, yeah. And I just I have some good advice to give yep. if you want it. Um, uh, but yeah, it 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 kind of just comes from a place of like, what can I do so that I can paint more? Yeah, what makes can, sense. What can I yeah. do that works with my migraines? Yeah. What can I do to pay myself? Yep. Better. Um, and this, this is what it is yeah. and, and it's challenging. It's really hard. I work more than I do now than I ever have, but sure. But it's going to pay off. I I'm really excited about it. I, th I know we'll definitely plug it and, and let people know. And yeah. when you got stuff coming up, you just let us know and we'll talk about it mm -hmm. here and at the gallery. Um, and, uh, we'll drive any and all traffic your way that we come across where someone needs anything yeah. like that. So, um, because I, I want to, I know we all want to see it succeed. hundred percent. So I want yeah. it to work. Yeah. We want to see it work <laughs> to the point where you're having to hire someone and then they're like, you're not paying them enough. You For know what sure. I mean? yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's yes. like the next step. You finally get to be the you person that's like <laughs> prospective employee. I have to tell you that you're going to have the greatest boss because I've had the worst jobs <laughs> and I've been treated pretty badly yeah. and I don't want you to hate your life. That's right. That's right. So you're going to be great at it. Because <laughs> like life is so thing. much more yeah. important yeah. than yes, work. It is. Yes. Listen, if I'm ever like really a boss, like a real boss and everybody's eating Taco Bell on Tuesdays. <laughs> Taco Tuesdays. Yeah. And it's going to be imposed, meaning you're going to eat it. Whether you like it or not. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sounds supportive. <laughs> you yeah. must eat two burritos. I feel like that's like the worst thing about your job, though. You're probably okay. You're probably okay. If yeah. somebody's like, the worst thing about my job is he makes me eat Taco Bell on Tuesday. Because <laughs> it would be just fun for people to have to go tell other people that. <laughs> right. Wait, why does he do that? I don't know. Could you like, you can see that on like some job site where it's like pros and cons. Like I feel cons. like that might Forces be an OSHA violation. Yeah. An OSHA oh, violation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And not one on single business I've ever worked for. Is OSHA? Yeah, that's like, exactly right. <laughs> if OSHA, I was going to start a business, by the beach. <laughs> yeah, if 
if I was going to start a, a business, I think I'd call it OSHA violation. That'd be the name of the company. Oh, they yeah. used to have an Instagram called, um, oh gosh, uh, what was it called? It was like, uh, don't look at me, OSHA, or like, don't watch this OSHA. Uh-huh. I think it was, don't watch this OSHA. <laughs> it was the greatest content. Oh, terrifying. <laughs> it sounds horrifying and amazing at the same time. But yeah, that's, I mean, all up and down every job I've had, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like putting my like body on the limb most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, um, so where can folks find you as far as the business? Yeah. And the art, the painting. Yeah. I'm, I'm on Instagram okay. uh, with my business and my painting. Um, I do not have a website for my business yet. Um, it's been very easy to just like kind of infiltrate my clientele because of Instagram yep. and because my clientele are artists. Yep. So they mostly have Instagram. Word of mouth is good. It hasn't been the worst. So um, whereas I think a lot of other businesses would really need that uh, mm-hmm. website yeah. presence. It makes sense. Not that I'm working on it. I'm getting close to it. But I also have a website for my artwork, yes. my personal work. Um, kccriddle.com. Yeah. We'll post that on the, yeah. we'll post all this on it. Yeah, yeah. the show And then, shout-outs. you know what, just like Instagram slash craft studio yep. services. Sweet. Yeah. Great. This has been great. This has been, yeah, I, I've been really uh, I'm inspired. encouraged by hearing your story and it's really wonderful to hear. Cause I think, um, even though you may have felt like it was like a pocket, uh, of people within your time at art school, I think there's a lot of students who like kind of feel segmented out because mm-hmm. they're having the same experience. And so it's good to hear that like, it's not, uh, it's not abnormal necessarily to, to go through it the way you did, but also just like the, the grind you've been doing is super encouraging too. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in this series when we're dealing with, uh, entrepreneurship, because one thing I always tell my students is like, it, it's hard sometimes to parse the boundary between artist and entrepreneur because so much of it is kind of baked together. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's good to hear that every time you can reinforce that with like, like real stories and not just kind of a, you know, somebody up there saying like, no, yeah. Really, it's what it is. yeah, kind of like a how to manual, but hasn't done it. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. One of the things also I'm excited about and, and just kind of like compliment to what Gareth said is that uh, we're catching you at an interesting time. Mm-hmm. And um, my hope is we'll have you back on again mm-hmm. and check in with what you're doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. please. You know do. what I mean? Like, so like, just kind of like, I think it'll be interesting to track the story. Yeah. Um, and see how, how this expands. So, um, who knows, maybe we'll have you back on with some other entrepreneurs at some point, uh, when some, some other things have happened in, in the city yeah. and around. And I think that will make for an interesting conversation. So I'm really glad for your willingness to come on now. Mm-hmm. And I think we're, we're entering in, in, into an interesting time. Mm-hmm. It's really up in the air, you know, in a lot of ways and the resiliency part, I think it's going to be um, big for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, after the, after these past two years, it's yep. just like, uh, it's, it's tough. Yep. Yeah. But it's um, tough, but I think people are so eager mm-hmm. to do things. Yes. I think there's, it's like a sifting or a vetting out, you know, yeah. in, in what, one of the ways that things have shook down is there's a lot of people that are emerging with, um, kind of like a greater clarity mm-hmm. and, a, and more resiliency and a desire to actually actually do yeah. real things. And uh, so I, 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 I hold optimism while also uh, being a little bit of a doomer. Um, you know, like I, I hold both intention and in some oh, ways. Yeah. Because, you know? I mean, you find the best silver linings in the worst situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. Um, if you can't find silver linings, then I don't know 
I don't know how you're going to get through because this stuff is just back to back. Yeah, hard. yeah, it is hard. It is real hard. There's no downplaying that. Mm-hmm. But um, but um, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank and you so. um, thank you for having me. I, mean, I love talking to you all yeah. the time, and you guys too, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> just to put it out there, uh, we're we are. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We we are starting a Shaco Art Space art collection, mm-hmm. and Casey is the first official acquisition like the first official official oh, we I have one other it. i didn't know by that yeah 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 you're the first you'd be the first you're that's, the first we that's go, fancy yeah from the so be on the lookout for that if, if anybody is interested in what we're trying to do there um mm-hmm. folks that have shown in the past uh folks that will be showing in the future we're gonna hold whole goal here mm-hmm. to try to leverage some resources in acquire work that tells a story that we think is important about this time and place. Yep. And so your story is definitely at the foundation of that. So oh, that's, that's yeah. so flattering. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. A lot. All right. Yeah. And uh, I think that wraps it up for this week. Uh, thank you all for joining us so much. And like we say, every time we do love you, you are a fantastic audience. And we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Shaco art speak, a production of Shaco art space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.